All right, welcome to the Raw Time Champ podcast. We are back with a new name, and uh, if you can't tell, we have uh, shed some of the dead weight. Just kidding. We uh, <laughs> we will have Calvin and Coy back with us, but they couldn't make it tonight. So one of them one of them shooting guns, the others playing pickleball. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to have a quick episode tonight. We're going to talk about our name change, and we're going to take two listener questions. So right off the bat, uh, we changed our name to Raw Time Champ for a couple reasons. Um, one of the big ones was our previous name, the A-Zone, was terrible for searching and um, search engine optimization. So half the time we couldn't even find it. And so this will hopefully be a little bit better. So we might get, uh, you know, move our listeners from seven to maybe eight or nine people. And uh, also, it's, uh, I think, a name that describes kind of how we are right now. Most, I think all four of us really in our learning process. So we go over that. So if you haven't heard this before, um, you might be saying, what is Raw Time Champ? And so uh, it's. Uh, I guess uh, you would call it a strategy, I guess, for improving your speed. Is that fair to say? So um, I think my understanding... More or less. Yeah. (laughs) So um, if you've never heard anyone say this, you might be like, this is is how I was introduced to it. You're at a match, and someone whose name is Matt is going to just blaze through a stage... May or may not hit things. Lately, he's been hitting everything, but at first it was a little bit of a toss-up. But And then doesn't care about anything except what was the time. And so I remember thinking, like, this is crazy. What could be the point be of that? So it was later, after shooting with Matt and other people that were doing this, it was later described to me as, uh, and Koi described it to me this way, and this was what made it click for me. It's not just running around with your hair on fire, which is kind of what I thought it was. So it's prioritizing, minimizing unscored errors versus minimizing scored errors. So you make sure you do the things like um, positioning, uh, movement, quick target transitions, quick gun handling, uh, gun up at the right time. All of that stuff that's not really scored other than kind of uh, inherently with the stage time. You try to do all of those things right. And then if you shoot decent points or not, that's kind of on the back burner for the moment. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. And I know, um, you know, shooting carry optics recently, it was a little bit of a culture shock just trying to keep up with the people that are good at carry optics coming from production. Um, I was not ready for that. So uh, I've been kind of trying to use this mindset it matches. And I think uh, I made some some noticeable gains with my speed. Still got some work to do, but I think it's been um, productive. And if you'd asked me a couple of years ago if it was productive, I probably would have had a different answer. So I think uh, it, it's definitely I've come around to it and it's definitely helped a lot. So, Matt, uh, let's. What do you think about this? You're kind of like the OG in DFW of doing the raw time champ thing. So, so for me, originally the raw time champ idea actually came from a guy who is currently down in Austin, originally from California, by the infamous name of Tony Wong. Um, and I said, dude, what if you just like completely blaze the stage? It was at a classifier match in, I think it was early 2021. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't have anything to lose. I'm not interested in like whatever the score is for this field course. So how about how about I just go hair on fire uh, kind of run? I actually ended up being like I think it was the third fastest compared to whoever else was also shooting the match for 
I think I was behind an open and a PCC shooter for uh, for that one specific field course. And surprisingly, I didn't have any misses. All I ended up with were about approximately an equal amount of Alpha's Charlies and then a couple of Delta's. And then I was like, huh, this kind of speed actually is achievable if I just completely let loose of a couple of safety measures, not safety rules. Uh, so kind of delved a little bit more into it, said, hey, um, the natural progression for uh, people that really get into it is speed first, accuracy, speed for accuracy catches up, that kind of concept. So why didn't I, why don't I just simply carry this on through? Now, Connor, you and I, both of us are naturally turtles originally, okay? Like we want, we wanted points and then time, time was kind of just whatever at the, uh, back then. Now, as we're trying to get better and also win matches, uh, time just simply, time is really more the thing that separates most everyone else um, between uh, masters and then A class, B class, that kind of thing. GM, GM is very much more a different story where time is the same, po uh, points is really what matters more. We saw back in, um, what was it, Texas State, a lot of the times, times were kind of similar. Points is really what differentiated everyone else. So the thing that we really had to make sure of is minimize Mike's no shoots uh, that were standalone by themselves. Otherwise, get all, uh, run every position as fast as you can, do all the reels as fast as you can, try to nail alphas. And that's kind of where raw time jam has kind of ended up. Everything as fast as you can, nail the points. Yeah, and I think um, you mentioned this, and I totally agree. Like we're we're both kind of naturally turtles as opposed to people who are naturally hosers. So I think probably most people listening to this have heard that term before. But um, you know, we're more inclined to run. Like if you looked at us at our first match, we're running around shooting everything, but we're way slow. So uh, as opposed to people who run around really fast and shoot like double digit penalties on the stage at their first match. So um, I think being more naturally inclined to uh, prioritize accuracy, it's beneficial to do this because you force yourself to prioritize speed. And I think looking at it from the perspective of um, you have to be competitive on time. And then you also have to be nine ninety percent of points if you want to do well at the match. So, yeah. um, you know that if, if you're a turtle, the ninety percent of points is probably already happening, but you're probably multiple seconds back on stage times. So I think uh, kind of changing your mindset um, and just being like, make the stage time happen. Like, what did the winner of that stage do it in? I need to do it in that time too. So we just force the stage time to happen and then kind of get the get the points to catch back up later, um, I think is is beneficial. Um, I think another way to think about it and kind of see the value in it is if you think about it on the flip side, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone actually do this, but if you think about it on the flip side, if you take someone who's naturally a hoser and uh, you know, you're already hitting the times, but they're just not hitting the targets, 
So um, just like, look, you're making the times. Just I want you to go through and shoot 90% of points. Like that's non-negotiable. Like for us, it's the times are non-negotiable. For them, it would be the points. So I think if you look at it from that, it's just like it's like focusing on the thing that you're not naturally inclined to do. Which if you think about it, that at least to me, that makes total sense. It's like, well, yeah, I should probably work at the thing that I'm not good at. So um, from that through that lens, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think a yeah, simpler think way to look at it. Yeah, I think a simpler way to look at it is if you're a turtle, make a time standard, okay? You can give yourself permission to fail at a higher speed. If you're going to see your points drop, just simply go at that speed and then figure out, hey, this is exactly what I need to do. I need to be focused in this exact spot in order to make those points at this speed. If you're a hoser, you're going to have those times. You need to make an accuracy standard and say... Let's just say you're at a local match on a 30 run field course. You're going to permit yourself only five Charlies. That's it. Everything else has to be alpha. Just go. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, the bo- the bottom line is I think this is like the quick way to make the improvement. Like you could, if you're, let's say you're a turtle, um, you could just continue slowly grinding it out and slowly that, you know, you'll get a little bit better and shave, you know, a quarter second off here and there repeat until you're competitive or you can kind of i think you can uh cut the corner a little bit and shortcut it this way so um, i I definitely think it's been productive be honest if you're a listener of any of the shooting podcasts you're not interested in gradual improvement you want immediate improvement yeah i mean the faster you improve the better and i call it a shortcut it's not like you're um uh I, i don't think there's a downside i think it truly is a shortcut let me put it that way um, so I, I think it's cool. Uh, I, again, I, I'm planning on like, let's, let's look at major matches as well. Who wins the match? It's usually the guy who's the fastest with better points overall. Yeah. I mean, you need both, right? So you should work on the one that you're not, uh, naturally inclined to be good at. Um, but I will say, um, uh, one word of caution, I think, uh, if you get too entrenched in doing this for too long, it almost is hard not to. So if you want to go perform at a major match, um, you don't want to f- you don't want to feel like uh, you don't know how to tone it back. If that makes sense, your goal your goal at major matches is always remain in control, I, which is also where if if we want to look at another concept is JJ's uh, three levels. Level one of uh, setting your standard for uh, your base standard. Two is your experimentation. Three is your consistency and performance phase. That is like your your now your one month leading up into nationals. That is where yeah, you're that makes sense. And um, yeah, I mean that's about all I have to say on the the topic. Do you have anything else? I, no, I think as a simplified concept, raw time champ is do all the all the non shooting stuff as fast as you can. And if you're going, if you're purposely going fast and shooting understanding what your visual and grip errors are. Yeah, it, I, <laughs> I have one more thing to say. You do actually aim at the targets. So that was one thing that I don't know if I was even clear on at first, watching some people do it. You, I think that's fine. Yeah, like you have to, like you're not just literally just sending, if it's a 32 round stage, you don't just run to all the positions and send 32 hopers. Like you do actually aim, but... <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's probably goes without saying, but I remember questioning that a little bit. <laughs> All right. I think we had a couple, a couple of really good, actually, listener questions. So yeah, let me just uh, double check what our listener questions are from Brian Levy. What are the unseen benefits of physical fitness? 
Yeah, I don't know either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so here's what I have. I thought we thought about this question. Here's what I have. So um, usually we're out shooting five or six stage uh, club matches, and you know a good club match probably takes no more than five hours, typically, generally speaking. So even if that's in like the dead of Texas summer, um, you know it's not that bad. But the better shape you're in, I think you can handle like heat and fatigue better. So e- that'll even help you at a, sh- at a small club match like that. But if you go to a major match, maybe you're shooting 12 stages in a day, or maybe you're shooting six stages in two days, where you have to you know wake up the next morning and do it all over again. Um, at nationals, it might even be you know three or more days. So I think being in better shape just helps you not feel so drained for the longer matches. And um, I think anyone who's shot a major knows this, but that actually is a big deal. Um, so I think that's, in my opinion, that's like the one clear biggest benefit of being more fit is um, just not feeling extremely tired standing out in the heat for like six hours a day, three days in a row or something like that. It makes a big difference. Or even if you're like one of the nine, 10 hour uh, people that shoot all day. Yeah, especially if you're that. It, I mean, you, it's really a noticeable difference. So, um, yeah, I think I think that would be, in my opinion, the biggest benefit. One uh, secondary smaller benefit that I also came up with was I think um, like unusual positions. So definitely like going prone, um, being in shape. I think you can get down, and if the stage demands it, if you have to get back up from prone, I think that's definitely going to happen faster if you're just generally in good shape. Um, also, uh, the last match we had, um, we had a kind of a low port that you kind of had to walk um, next to to shoot target. Like you couldn't see all. There were like three or four targets through this low port, and you couldn't oh, see them all. Walk through that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of are walking, but you're like in like a. Uh, I don't want to call it a catcher's stance, but like maybe a little bit higher than a baseball catcher's stance. And so um, I think that uh, Asian, Asian squatting through it. Yeah. <laughs> but so I think that I know I uh I'm not in great shape, but I'm in okay shape. And I after that my my thighs was like, wow, you know, I kind of felt that after doing the walkthrough, you know, a handful of times and running the stage. So I think um, you know, someone in better shape than me probably could have, you know, not even noticed doing that. And if someone in worse shape, they might have been like, Oh my god. So just weird positions, particularly prone, I think those don't pop up all the time, but uh, when they do, I think it's gonna benefit you to be um, physically fit. So my unseen benefit is actually kind of built upon your uh, idea of like muscular and mental endurance, um, because partially of the mental, because uh, you're not you're not thinking about how tired you are. But um, muscular endurance it actually allows you better rest, especially if you especially if you're shooting multiple days. It's like man, I gotta go, I gotta go to sleep. You know, go to eat dinner, go to sleep, that kind of thing. You're actually gonna get better uh, sleep. Uh, the night before your second day or third day, whatever. And so the better rest you can get, the more your muscles are relaxed and actually the stronger you'll be throughout the entirety of the match. That makes sense. I like it. Was that your, was that it or do you have another one? Yeah, that was it. I, I okay. didn't want to stretch on this topic so much, but uh scene benefits, thick thighs for the boys. <laughs> oh yeah. Thanks, Brian. That's a, uh, that's a good question. Um, one I think we I don't think we've ever got that question before. No, but we so we had a we had another good question too. So remind me what that was, Matt. Yeah, from uh, Sam Chow. Things people think make you fast, but is actually slower. 
So this is a good one. I think this could have a lot of answers, but I think we came up with maybe our, our top one or two each. So uh, I guess I'll go first again. But the one I thought of that you, I see this a lot is gaming the start position. And 99% of the time, it uh, I, I think either doesn't matter as a best case or it actively kind of it's awkward enough that it makes you slower. So uh, let me give some examples of gaming a start position. Um, let's say there's a, I know if you're listening, you can't see this, but let's say you have to stand in front of a wall and put your hands on marks on the wall. And then the first target you're gonna shoot is maybe one big step to either side. And so what people will do is instead of just standing normally in front of the spot and then taking a step as they draw and start shooting, they'll, position their feet so that they don't have to take a step and then awkwardly lean all the way over to put their hands on the on the spot on the wall and then on the beep they do this super awkward draw because their body's in a weird position and have to like position their body over but their feet are already there so they're on a weird balance and then they start shooting and it's just you watch them do it and it's like man you could have just done a normal draw and taken a quick step faster than that and on the the worst cases you get a bad grip off the draw or something and you're you're way slower because you have to fix your grip so another example um would be uh this even is just normal start position so uh they do the what wrist below belt start position is the standard one now yeah and you'll see people, I'm sure everyone's seen this. They're it's, it's like riding right under the grip, right? Yeah, their their firing hand is in the normal spot or or even kind of pushing it even with that hand. But like then their support ball. yeah, their support hand, they bring like all I don't know if you guys can't see this, but they bring it like all the way across their body and position it like one inch in front of the holster just to make it a little bit closer to the gun, I guess. And um I, I yeah. I, I, this one, to be fair, I don't know if I've ever seen this actually make someone slower, but I don't ever think I've ever noticed it makes someone faster. It just it just makes them unsafe. It just looks exactly, uh, yeah, honestly, even if they do it safely, just from a speed perspective, it just looks exactly the same. I don't think it actually really matters. But uh, I guess if you practice doing that, then you should do that. You don't, but if, I, I don't really see the point in, in doing a goofy draw, just like, it just doesn't, doesn't seem worth it to me. Let me put it that way. But uh, those, uh, I had another one, I think. Okay, so those are my examples of gaming start positions. Um, seems quicker, it's usually not. Another um, thing that people do that they think makes them faster but doesn't is constantly switching to better gear. And for the audio listeners, I did air quotes around better. Um, so I don't really think it matters. But you see this happen a lot. Someone will, you know, they're always changing their grips. Um, and you should have grips that fit your hands, but you shouldn't change grips every other month, you know. But they're always changing their grips. They're always tweaking springs. They're always swapping, you know, small parts or what. Trying different ammo is a big one. Trying different holsters, mag pouches, blah, 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 right? I mean, you could say it for any piece of gear. So uh, even if it is actually better, which I don't think it is most of the time, but even if that piece of equipment is actually better, you're doing yourself a disservice just by switching it. Because now you have to, instead of improving, you're spending your time practicing just to get used to the new gear. And then by the time you get used to it, most of these people are switching to something new again. So they never actually get used to what they're using, which means they never actually start improving. 
So those are my uh, those are my two uh, that are things that I would not recommend, even though um, they might seem to make you faster. Well, in that's in in that aspect, when if you want to change gear, when would you do it? Ideally, time that during in like the off season, whatever your off season is. Um, I I definitely wouldn't do it like the night before a match. <laughs> Um, unless, unless that match is just one that you're goofing around at in your off season, but even me, I'm not going to a match with new gear. It's not, I'd rather just, I'd rather just not, cause it's just going to make me mad if something happens at the match. Um, yeah, I would, I would say an off season. I, I don't see a point to change your gear in the middle of the season. All right, Matt, what you got? Yeah, I guess it is my turn. All right. Um, one equipment thing that I. I see every now and then is ammo that rides the power floor, especially uh, especially if you're minor power factor only, just because you don't know if you're guaranteed to make chrono at that point. Because if you're if you're that guy that likes 125.0001 power factor ammo, it's like okay, cool, you made power factor, but what about this popper that might need calibration? And then you fail calibration after that. That kind of thing. So that's just going to upset you. <laughs> and then you get second at nationals. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. I know a little bit. Of de- uh, I know a little I'm bit kidding. of detail I of kid, that. I kid. I kid. <laughs> yeah. Not 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 because the guy may or may not be Filipino. Um, I can I can joke because I'll probably never get second at nationals. So. <laughs> but yeah, like look. Make sure, make sure your ammo is very safe. If you really want to work on recoil control, keeping all other things equal, just like hey, improve your grip. Like work on work on a little bit of hand strength. Work uh, change up the uh, change up your arm angles, that kind of stuff. See what tension does to your body. The the fundamental of recoil control is always grip. It's never it's never effectively equipment. You can always do something for yourself better. All the other stuff is, is secondary. When I'm sure you've shot people's guns that, um, or shot people's ammo uh, that was, you know, basically below power factor, but maybe technically wasn't. It feels I've weird. My, I've shot my own ammo that that was also under power factor. It wasn't at a match, but it was un, like it felt weird. The slide just feels sluggishly slow to what it should be. The dot doesn't return as fast, and it's just like. That like sure this could this ammo works for steel challenge because there's no power factor in steel challenge but I still wouldn't want to use it yeah it, not, not even for USPSA at a local match where they don't use chrono like I wouldn't even want that I want no. something that'll snap the slide back to where it was faster than I could blink yeah like it, it feels weird to the point that like it's it's worse like it's not even better and also even if uh, I know you know this even if they don't have chrono at your local match it's still cheating to use subminer ammo. So <laughs> I I don't know anyone that does that, at least not intentionally, but guys, like there's probably some people out there. There's definitely some out there. There's definitely some people out there that uh, use ammo that's under major to supposedly make the gun last a little bit longer. But even then, like what's the point, especially if you, if you have to practice up to, an, to a higher power factor ammo, that way you're set to go for major matches. Just shoot the same ammo all year. Yeah, and and I mean, like, just plain and simple, just because you didn't get caught, it's cheating. So if people are declaring major and getting scored major and are knowingly, like, I realize crap happens, and but if you're knowingly doing that and still, you know, declaring major, like, that, that, 
just plain and simple as cheating. But Make we're going to we're down a rabbit Make hole up. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, I'll I'll say one more point as to things that people think are uh, that think they're faster, but it's not super super huge uh, bodily movements like super arm swings. Like if you're trying to get momentum moving and you're not necessarily able to do that just by where you are, okay, fine, maybe. Um, I haven't really ex- I haven't necessarily expended too much time on it but it's also stuff like unnecessarily using a drop step in a place where you shouldn't get, where you can just simply push off yeah like j like jj in in his field course class and is also his um one of his more advanced fundamentals classes he goes more into that of if more efficient movement so if if you have time go go experiment with something like that or even just like any of the uh bigger guys uh then jj max casey tim notice how they're not trying to make the biggest movement it is just simply more efficient movement yeah that makes sense so i thought i thought of another one literally just now and i'm going to throw it out there but um goofy stage plans that you know save steps or um sometimes eliminate a position or doing something uh that you that you really don't want to do but you do it anyways because you save like two steps or you can save a position or something so the magazine up to to capacity yeah so an example of that would be i can shoot this target back here from 30 yards and it saves me you know five steps and a position but the other option would be i could shoot it from like seven yards or something so like you know Sometimes it's worth taking a couple extra steps is my point. Um, so sometimes people do something so awkward in their stage plan that um, they end up doing it slower because it's awkward or because they made the shooting so much harder that it would have been faster to just do the, you know, couple more steps or less efficient stage plan. It would have been faster to just do that because you can do it more aggressively. Sometimes you just don't even need to lean out that much. Maybe you just need to get closer to that fault line. Yeah, so that one, I think that one comes with experience. That's one that I'm still not great at. But, um, you know, just knowing when things are actually worth it in in your stage planning. Like, look at whoever's uh, the winner, who's likely going to be the winner of the squad. Watch how they move around. Yep. All righty. Well, um, those were our those were our two questions for tonight, and we really just wanted to kind of intro the new uh, the new name and everything. So, guys, um, if you if you actually listen to this, thank you, and uh, we hope you'll stick with us. And um, you know, if you know of two people that want to take Calvin and Coy's place on the podcast, I'm just yeah, kidding. Need, they are coming back. <laughs> we need two. We need applications for two new Asian people. Yeah, we need. Right now, it's I'm not the minority anymore, and we can't have that. So. <laughs> But no, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, we got more coming up hopefully soon. So stay tuned. Yay.